0: Today we're continuing in our By Faith series that we started last week and last week we introduced to you what our theme at Generation Church for 2017 is and that is that we are going to walk by faith and not by sight and as we introduce this series we introduce you to uh, the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 and then we talked about what faith really is and Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the confidence of what the things that we hope for and it reassures us assures us of the things that we cannot see and we discuss that faith is not just some secret source that a few people have it's not just uh, for the select few but faith is something that every one of us we exercise each and every day and to have faith in god means that god is reassuring us of the things that he said he will do and who he is even though we can't see it we also discuss that faith is a gift from god and uh, and And the closer that we get to God, the louder we hear this gift of faith. And so the louder God reassures us. But it's easy to have faith in God when you can see God at work. Now, imagine if this was a funeral today, and, uh, uh, and, and we had a coffin with a dead body right in front of us. Now, let me just say, American funerals freak me out a little. Uh, I, I grew up in England, and uh, we have closed coffins. So the first time I ever went to an American funeral, I sat there, and suddenly I was like, Whoa, what's going on? I see a face in the coffin, because it was an open casket. And I didn't hear anything that happened My, My eyes were just fixed on this dead body. And then they wanted us to like walk by the dead body, like touch it and kiss it. That's just weird if you ask me. But anyway, but imagine if there was a dead body right here and suddenly God came and raised that person back to life. Suddenly there was breath in their lungs and suddenly their eyes opened. It would be easy for us to trust in God. It would be easy for us to believe in God if that was the case. Why? Because we're seeing God at work. Maybe if if you've got a prayer request and you're asking God for that prayer request, and then God answers that prayer request and you see an answer to prayer. It is much easier to have faith in God when you see that happening. Your faith grows because you are seeing God at work. However, what happens In our lives when we don't see God at work? Do we have confidence in God when we don't see him working in our lives? What happens when we ask of God and we don't see God come through immediately? What is our posture in life when we start to lose some hope? Because what we've asked of God isn't happening. Do we continue to step out in faith and walk in faith and believe in God no matter what? Or do we start to lose a little faith and wonder, well, does God even care? Is God even there? Does God even listen to what I'm saying? I'm sure many of you, you've got desires of something that you want happening this year. Maybe you've got a goal that you want to reach. Maybe you, you, you've got this secret prayer that you're asking God for. Maybe if you're single, you're wanting to get married. Or if you're married and you want a child, you want God to give you a child this year. Or, or maybe you want a new career this year. Or maybe uh, you just want friends this year because you're like, you've like got no friends. Maybe you, you, you want money this year. And you've got a secret desire. You've got something that you desire this year. And maybe you're asking God for it. How would you react if God didn't give you what you wanted this year? What instead of this year, God gave you that in 10 years time? Would you have the faith to ask God and keep asking God and believing in God, even if God makes you wait for a long time? I love the story of uh, one of my friends, Rob. Rob helped us start this church. He, uh, he was on our very launch team. Uh, we met in a basement of a, of a house, uh, and there was like 15 of us, and, and Rob was there faithfully. And, and, and as we started the church, Rob became part of the church. And Rob, he, he, he had a desire in life, and his desire and his dream in life was to become a magician. like Your average, everyday dream in life, right? Well, I remember meeting Rob when Rob was in his early 20s and Rob uh, started to show us some of his magic tricks to us. And I remember being at my home and he showed me this card trick and it was just like I had my hand on my mouth and I was like, no way, you didn't just do that because it like blew my mind, this card trick. Well, Rob desired, he didn't want just to have an average nine to five job. Rob wanted to be an entertainer. He wanted to be a, a magician. And so he started to start to perform, and he started some shows, and I remember his first show that he really ever did, it was to, to a group of students here in Bel Air. Let me tell you, if you're trying something for the first time, don't do it in front of students because they'll tell you really what they think of it. And I'll be honest, it was not a great show at all. He made a lot of mistakes. He was nervous and he'll laugh about it now. But but Rob's continued going because he had this dream and, and, and he wanted to be a magician and he believed that God was leading him that way. And so he started to perfect his skills and his abilities and, and he would work at his tricks and his his tricks of magic and illusion and and eventually he started to get booked for some shows here in Baltimore. And, uh, and, and he went around and, and he became pretty good at what he did. But Rob got to a place when he realized, if I want to do this with the rest of my life, then Baltimore is not the place to do it. Because you can do a few different venues here, but you can't make a living being a magician in Baltimore. And so Rob had this dream that he would move to Las Vegas. And so Rob started to work towards this dream and he believed that God had it for him. And he had setback after setback, but he continued to keep going. And then one day he told us all, he was like, hey, do you want to let everyone know I'm moving to Vegas? And so he sold his car, he quit his job, he rented out his home and he moved to Vegas with hardly any money at all. Now, this would be a great story if we said, yeah, he moved to Vegas, he made that step of faith, and suddenly he became this worldwide star. He was traveling all over the world, and he was like the new David Copperfield. But that's not his story. His story is this he went to Vegas, and he continued to struggle. He continued to have problems and trials, and money was an issue, and he went out into the streets, and he would do magic tricks on the streets to try to raise some money. And then about a year and a half ago, He put a video on YouTube of a magic trick that went viral. What I mean by viral, millions of hits. And then about a year ago, it kind of fell into his lap. He got offered a job as a presenter on a new MTV TV show called Bugged Out. It's actually a European show shown all over, over Europe. He suddenly started realizing that his dream was coming to fruition. And Rob's dream is now starting to be lived because he kept at it all these years. He did not waver. He believed that's what God had for him. But the reality was he had to keep going. Even though he couldn't see it, he still believed it. And when it comes to faith in God, that's what we have to do. We have to persevere and we have to keep going on and on, even when we can't see it. See, there is something that God thinks is more important than giving you what you want. That is making you into who he wants you to be. See, God thinks it's more important to make you into who you want to be than giving you right now the things that you want in this life. The book of James tells us that trouble is actually a good thing in our lives trouble is a good thing in our lives why because when we have trouble it creates perseverance and when we are create when perseverance is created it enables god to start perfecting us see god is looking for people who are persevering in their faith because he knows he can work in their lives way more than people who just flip flop and do not persevere see anyone can have their 15 minutes of success or their 15 minutes of fame but it takes someone who has perseverance to do it over a lifetime it takes someone who has perseverance to keep going each and every day i'm sure in, in your life in maybe in your work in your in your company that you're part of that there are people who who have good years but the people who keep having good years year after year are those who keep persevering through and through and what we realize is that those over a long period of time, who please God, they learn that God is more interested in how you obey Him as opposed to how much you produce for Him. I'll say that again. Those who please God over a long period of time learn that God is more interested in how you obey Him than what you produce for Him. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 tells us this. Samuel was talking to King Saul and he said this. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, said Samuel. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Samuel is saying this. That God is more interested in your obedience than all the things that you can produce for God. And today we're going to discuss three people who heard from God. When they heard from God, they said yes to God, and then they obeyed God. Each of them discovered that when God speaks, you obey, for eventually God will come through for you. So the first person we're going to look at is, is named Noah. Noah was somebody who lived out public obedience. Public obedience. The book of Genesis tells us of the story of Noah, but in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the writer of Hebrew tells us this about Noah. It said, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, if you've got any knowledge of the Bible at all, you've heard of this guy called Noah. He became a famous guy because he built a large boat that housed a bunch of animals. I mean, I couldn't imagine the stench in that boat. But anyway, that's for another story for another day. But he built this large boat. God flooded the earth. He got saved. He then started to reproduce humanity again. We know that as Noah's story. But a lot of people have used this story to say that the Bible isn't true. Because that. It's a ludicrous story almost that this guy builds a boat and all the animals in the world live in it. But actually, science has overwhelming evidence that there once at one time was a great flood in this world. In fact, all the major ancient religions and faiths will tell you, no matter what gods they they say they worship, they will tell you that there was once a great faith, a great flood. The Christian faith, the Jewish faith, the Hindu faith, the Muslim faith, all these faiths, they will tell you that there once was a great flood. And, and, And so this story is a real story, so much so, we even know that Russell Crowe became Noah in a movie. Even Steve Carell became Noah in a movie. That's an even better movie. Bruce, oh no, Evan Almighty. But have you ever thought about the faith it took Noah to believe God? When God said, build an ark? What a crazy suggestion. Hey Noah, one day, let's build an ark, why don't you? I'm thinking the faith it took Noah to actually do what God said he would do, but Noah did. Now, notice this about Noah. There's no way to hide for Noah at all. He couldn't just keep the, the word that God had given him closely in his heart and treasure it in his heart and not tell anybody. This faith had to become public faith. If any of you have ever like fasted for any long period of time, you will know it's very hard to keep that fasting to yourself if you work in a workplace. Because... If any of you work in an office or maybe a school or, you know, in a factory, you know that there are people who are bringing donuts in. There's people who bring candy in. They're bringing bagels in. There's there's maybe some happy hour at your work. Or there's different things going on. And if you are fasting, they'll come in and they will notice that you're not eating. And then they'll ask, why are you not eating? You'll say, because I'm fasting. And they'll say, what, for health reasons? And most of you, if you fast because for biblical principles you'll have to start to suddenly start to publicly tell of your faith it's because of my faith because of spiritual reasons and once people start knowing that you are a person of faith they start looking at you in a different light they start seeing you differently there's more accountability they they start keeping you accountable for some of the things that you do See, it's one thing to keep things quietly in your heart. It's quite another thing to hear God and then make it public knowledge. There is pressure. And if you don't come through on what you said you would do, or if God doesn't come through, you look like a fool with an egg on your face. But believe me, it takes faith to tell people what God has told you. It takes even louder faith. To keep obeying God when the culture all around is anti-God. This is the story of Noah. It's found in Genesis 6, starting at verse 9. It said, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. It's like God's looking at Wall Street for a moment. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along the earth. Then he said this, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Then God continues to tell him the instructions of how to build this boat. Then verse 22 says this, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded. See, Noah lived in a world that was corrupt and evil. Everybody was evil so much so that God was willing to wipe out everybody on earth and start again. But yet, this is what the Bible says about Noah. This is how we are introduced to Noah. It says that Noah was a righteous man who walked with God. He was a righteous man who walked with God. Last week, we discussed a man called Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch pleased God, for Enoch walked with God. There's a pattern forming here. People who please God walk with God. Did you know that God likes to walk? He's not like most of us Americans. We just like to take the car everywhere. We don't like to walk. God likes sidewalks. But you know what God likes more than walking? He likes walking with you. He likes to take you by the hand and walk with you, converse with you. For it pleases God to walk with you. And here this was a righteous man and he understood that when God speaks, you listen. And then when you listen, you obey. For life walking by faith always leads to more life. But when you try to live following the behaviors and the customs of this world, it always leads to destruction and death. Noah lived, everybody else died. It reminds me of the, of the movie by Kevin Costner called Field of Dreams. It's like an oldie now. But I love this movie because in the movie, Kevin Costner, he has a, he's like a farmer and has these cornfields. And he hears a voice and he says, build it and they will come. And so he builds this baseball stadium and then all these ghosts of of baseball players pass, come and play. And everybody's amazed at what's going on. It's unbelievable. And that's almost like the story of Noah. But let me tell you, never be afraid to make a public stand for God. For when others know your path of faith, it will give you accountability. And it's accountability you need to stay close to God. For when you are close to God, the faith that God gives you gets louder and louder and louder and reassures you for life. Second person I want us to look at today is Abraham. Abraham had blind obedience. Blind obedience. Hebrews 11 verse 8 tells us this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land, that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with internal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Now when you compare Abraham's faith to Noah's faith, you realize that Noah's faith was actually easier to follow through than Abraham's faith. See, when God spoke to Noah, he said, build an ark because I'm sending a flood and I'm destroying everyone so you and your family can be saved. But notice what he said to Abraham. He said, Abraham, it's time for you to leave your family, leave your home, leave your work, leave your country, leave all that you've ever known, and it's time to go. And that was it. He didn't tell him anything else. That there were no details in what God told Abraham. And did you know it takes great faith to follow God when God gives you no details? And the problem for so many of us is that we try to walk by faith and not by sight. But we are longing for God to show us the architectural drawings. But most of the time, God will never show us the blueprints of what happened. You know, I love HGTV and I love watching shows like Property Brother and Fixer Upper. And you have this like nasty old house and they're going to transform. And before they start to work, they show you like an artist's sketch and a blueprint of all the work that they're going to do. And then you see them working through it at the end. You, You see the finished article and it's very similar to the blueprints. Let me tell you today, God is not like HGTV. God very rarely shows you the blueprints of what's next my wife and myself, uh, and myself we used to be on staff at a large church in Missouri and and everything was going well we had pretty good salaries and it was cheap to live out there and the church was growing and the fact it was Missouri everything else was good and then one day God told us it's time to go and we didn't know what to do we were like okay God We'll go, but tell us what's next. Where are we going? And God was like, no, you have to go first. And so we prayed through and we made this step of faith. And we, not knowing what was next, we handed our resignations in because we believed that God had something else for us. We stepped out in faith. It was a couple of weeks later that God started to reveal what the next steps were. But the reality was, if we had not said yes to God and and obeyed him with blind obedience back then, we would not be here today. Actually, none of us would be in this church today. But it took blind obedience to do it. And Abraham was told by God to go, and he knew nothing else but to go. See, we love our five-year plans. But do you know God hates your five-year plan? God wants to tear your five-year plan up. Why? Because when you start following your five-year plan, you start following your dreams and your aspirations instead of listening and obeying him in his daily direction for you. Let me tell you, if God had told us in 2009 what the first five years of Generation Church would be like, we would have never done it. And this is why. Because back then, I didn't want something hard. I wanted something easy. I I wanted us to start a church and and this church would grow and it would be easy. There would be no issues at all. But the reality was, those first five years were some of the hardest years of my life. That God was building in us. There was trouble that came. There was issues. Trying to build a church from scratch was, was so hard. Even when you got God Almighty on your side, it was still hard. But what I look back on, I'm so thankful God did not show us because in my immaturity back then, I would have never done it. But looking back now, God built perseverance in us. God molded us and he made us and he perfected us. And, and, he, and he laid the foundation for what this church is today and, and the great things that this church will be in years to come. See, often blind obedience Allows faith to become louder in your lives. See sometimes if you knew what was ahead. You wouldn't walk by faith. And so God allows blind obedience to be your case. So that God can turn up the assurances. That he is with you. See when you have blind obedience. You have to stay close to God. Believing that there is something better for tomorrow. And The final person I want us to look at today is Sarah. Sarah had heart-wrenching obedience. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 11, It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and she was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man, that was Abraham. The Bible says this whole nation came from this one man, Abraham, who was as good as dead. Don't you love how the Bible describes old people? As good as dead. I can imagine my son in years to come. Dad, you're past it. You're as good as dead. But that's what the Bible says. It says that Sarah believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them all. So there's this lady called Sarah, and she had one desire in life, that was to have a child. Back in their day, women had one purpose, and that was to to bear children. If you could not bear children, then you had no purpose in life. And Sarah desired to have a child. But yet Sarah had got to a place where it was beyond childbearing years. And then there was no child. There was no adoption agencies at the time. No chance to foster a ch- ch- children. No, no chance to, 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 to come and, uh, and look after somebody else. It was gone. The moment had gone. She had asked God. She believed God. God had even promised that a child would come, but no child came at all. And what happens when this is the case? It's heart-wrenching. Some of you, you've got dreams and they've died. Some of you, you've had aspirations for tomorrow, but those hopes are fading away. And what happens when that happens? It's heart-wrenching. You know, back in 2006, my wife and myself, we went to uh, a wonderful chance to go to India. And uh, we went to India, we had a great time. And then on the way back, it was this crazy plane journey. And from India, we landed in, in, in London, England. Then we had to go to Frankfurt, Germany. And then from Frankfurt, Germany to Chicago. And between the flight between England and Frankfurt, it got delayed. And so we landed in Frankfurt and it was, we landed just like 20 minutes late and we had a tight connection and we ran to get our plane, which was United Airlines from Frankfurt to Chicago. And we ran to get our plane. As we got to the gate, we saw the plane pulling away. We weren't allowed on the plane. The problem was, is in a couple of days, we had to get back. We had a big production at the church that we were at. My wife was in charge of it, and we had to get back. And suddenly, as the plane is going away, you can just feel that no moments. Your hopes are fading away. We we went to the customer service, tried to see if there was another plane to the United States. It wasn't. That was the last plane of the day. There was no way we were going to get back to the United States that day. Our hopes were dashed. We didn't know whether to get angry or to cry. Now we were stuck in a city we'd never been in before. I'd never been to Frankfurt, Germany. They put us in a hotel. And so we were like, well, if we're here for the night, let's see what Frankfurt has to offer. And if you ever go to Germany, you don't know a lick of German, it's really hard to get around, let me just say. It's amazing we actually made it home. But that night, we were able to go into downtown Frankfurt. What I didn't realize about Frankfurt, they have the most amazing Christmas market you've ever seen. The place was bustling. The magic of Christmas was all around. We get there and we see all these wonderful things. Uh, and we're eating some big uh, uh, German hot dogs, some big German sausage. And there was even fish and chips. And I was like, well, let's have some fish and chips. And we drank some hot chocolate. And we had this amazing time. And we'll sometimes reference, Oh, remember that market at Frankfurt. We had this memory that We kept. And what I discovered about that day was this. God will sometimes allow you to miss a plane so you can discover new and marvelous things. See, we look back, missing that plane was not important. We have hardly any memory of missing the plane, but we have so many memories of that wonderful evening in Frankfurt, Germany. And just because your plan got messed up does not mean that God's plan did. See, that desire... That you think is so important. That prayer request that maybe you've asked God for is nothing compared to the new adventures. God wants to take you on on this incredible journey of faith. I have a friend and her name is Lauren. Lauren is a a financial planner and she's becoming very successful in what she's doing. She's very driven. She's 28 years old and she has this one desire in life. And that's to have a man. What she wants she, she loves her job and she loves what she does, but she feels if she had a man who could really love her the way she wants to be loved, who would look at her like she 's the most beautiful thing in the world, then she feels that that would fill her with joy, and so she goes on lots of dates she 's even gone on dating websites she 's been set up on blind dates, and whenever we see her we're asking her hey. Lauren, how was the blind date? She was like, "Ah, I saw him, I didn't turn up because I didn't like how he looked. And she feels her one desire in life is to get a man. She doesn't know Jesus Christ and I've been praying for her, but I saw this on her Facebook the other day. She posted this. You know what comments I love? You're too pretty to be single. Such a backhanded compliment. Like, what is wrong with you that you don't have a boyfriend or a husband? Is what they're really saying. I'm sorry, but if a man is only with me because of my looks, that's not good enough for me. and shouldn't be for any woman, that's the bottom line. For instance, how about I'm dating her because she has a voice and she's smart. Or because I love her. Then the prying why are you single? Because I've worked this entire year on becoming a better person, and I'm trying to further my career and myself educationally. It's never a good enough answer for these people either. They have to go into what's your type, or you are dating the wrong guys. How about I'm not dating anyone, and I've I haven't been for a while. They try to give her advice. Then she says, "This being a woman in a career or who is career oriented." It's still looked to down looked down by looked down on by society. It's frustrating. So she wrote this, but I know Lauren. I know that something upset her, and it set her up that it reminded her that she was single, and so she wrote this rant on Facebook so that she she could make herself feel a little bit better. But she honestly believes that she will gain joy if she finds a man. And the reason I know this is because. I went through a similar situation, my wife and myself, when we suffered infertility for nine years. We thought if we can just have a child, then it will fill us with joy. That emptiness inside, it will fill us with joy. Now i thankful God came through on his promise and gave us a little boy. And while he gives me joy, there's times I want to strangle him. And while he gives me joy, I've realized the only one who can fill me with joy is Jesus Christ. And for Lauren, she, she is searching, but the reality is she can keep searching. She can find Brad Pitt or George Clooney, uh, but that will never fill her with joy. Because only Jesus will fill her with joy. And so often we get focused on what we think we need. We forget that there is a God out there who loves us and knows exactly what we need. And let me tell you, if a woman like Sarah who Genesis seventeen seventeen tells us that she was 90 years old when she had a child. Think about that ladies for a moment, 90 years old. If she can have a baby at 90, it tells me that you have not missed the boat, that your window has not closed, that God has not forgotten you, that God can still come through, that God can do the impossible in your life, even when you can't see it. But I believe this. God cannot do the impossible in your life. God cannot fill you with overwhelming joy while your heart searches for something more than him. If your heart is for a man more than God, if your heart is for a woman more than God, If your heart is for a career more than God. If your heart is for money more than God. If your heart is for materialistic things more than God. If your heart is for a child more than God. If your heart is for anything else more than God. It is impossible for God to do the impossible in your life. You will never be filled with the overwhelming joy because you need heart-wrenching obedience. You need to walk by faith, not by sight. Lay aside your desires and replace them with having passion for him. See, obedience is not easy. Just ask my son. He had a meltdown yesterday at Wise Supermarkets. And we're out there at the entrance. And while he's having a meltdown, one of our church members, Janet, who's here this morning, walks in. I look like dad of the year. He finds it hard to obey. We find it hard to obey. But this is the reality. God requires your obedience. These great examples of faith that we talk about they are great people they're people that we can look up to but they never experienced the fullness of the promise of God like you and I can this is what hebrews says it says in verse hebrews 11:13 all these people died still believing what God had promised them they did not receive what was promised but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they had come from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These people, they were looking for heaven. But the reality is, they never really received the promise of God. But when God sent Jesus, his son, he came as the promised one. And we can experience Jesus here on earth. We can experience the promise. And when we experience Jesus and give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and fills our lives. And when the Holy Spirit comes and fills our lives, we don't have to wait till we die and get to heaven to experience heaven. We can experience the kingdom of heaven right here. We can experience the fullness of joy that there is in God. And we will soon start to realize that everything else is secondary compared to the love, the grace, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. See, through the incredible and wonderful and beautiful and powerful name of Jesus, we can have faith that God will not only direct us through this journey of life, That God will not only fill our hearts with what we desire, but when we walk by faith and not by sight, we walk in the freedom and the knowledge of knowing that our chains are broken and we can experience heaven here on earth and we can become righteous in the eyes of God all because of Jesus, but it takes obedience. So I ask you today, are you ready to obey? Let's bow our heads in prayer.